there is no amount of reading the law school Reddit or searching on Google um, to figure out, you know, whether or not your passions are going to align with what the actual practice is without talking to lawyers. You have to talk to them to learn what the practice is like whether they're happy about it, whether they enjoy it, whether it's the kind of work that you're going to want and whether it's the kind of money that you want to make, um, all of those things. You can only find out by talking to other lawyers. You can't really find all that information out on the internet. of Under Oath, a podcast brought to you and hosted by the organization Women Pursuing Law. I'm Hani Siddiqui, WPL's president. And I'm Zara Kabir, WPL's vice president. Under Oath will aim to shed light on different career paths within law, give you the chance to hear from noted speakers, and show the industry from the POV of a woman. Under Oath will also serve as a platform dedicated to empowering women and non-binary conforming individuals in the law industry. So if that aligns with your ideas, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. On that note, be sure to follow us on our Instagram at UTDWPL and our LinkedIn at UTD Women Pursuing Law. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Under Oath. I'm Maisha, and I'll be your host for today. I'm also pleased to announce our guest for today, Angie Vrishyanan. Angie is a UTD alumni who graduated in 2008 with a Bachelor of Science in Business Admin. Angie later went on to pursue IP law with the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law, which is a top five IP law school. Angie, would you like to briefly introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Maisha. I'm really happy to be on your podcast today. And I am the founder of Leg Up Legal, a company that provides a mentoring program that connects pre-law students to lawyers for mentoring. I am also an intellectual property lawyer. I practice trademark and copyright law and did so for five years before launching my company. And I still do that on the side as contract work. Nice. If you couldn't already tell, Angie is so, so accomplished. Now, uh, for IP law, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with this, stands for intellectual property. IP protection is critical for protecting the ideas of business and individuals. That brings me to my question. Given your expertise, what's your definition of IP law? Well, intellectual property covers four broad umbrellas. So you have patents, copyright, trademark, and trade secret. All of those are different forms of intellectual property. Intellectual property is also the property of your thoughts and creations. So it's not usually tangible. (laughs) So it's usually an intangible property, but it's still incredibly valuable. You may be very familiar with the fact that many companies protect their intellectual property because it is so valuable. Um, And you want to make sure that as an intellectual property lawyer that you help your companies figure out what is the most important thing that they should protect, what types of intellectual property that they are creating, because they might not even know. (laughs) Um, Sometimes patents, trademark, copyright, and trade secret may cover overlapping things. 
And so you need to help your clients figure out which of those they need to apply for protection for and which of those they need to um, keep proprietary. So for example, trade secret, you have to actually keep it a secret. (laughs) Um, But that's basically, in a nutshell, intellectual property. Wow, very interesting. That's going to be very helpful for our listeners as well. That's amazing. Um, Now on to your experience as a law student. How has your degree in business helped you in law school? So I really, really thought that my law degree wouldn't have anything to do with advertising, but that wasn't actually true. You know, I think that spending some time working in any industry is really, really helpful before law school. For one, I had to reset myself as a student because I felt like if I went straight through from undergraduate straight into law school, I probably would have gotten burned out. By the time I graduated from UTD, I was ready to graduate. (laughs) I was ready to stop going to school and ready to work. And I really enjoyed those couple years of working because, like I said, I got that client interaction. I learned what it was like to actually work with businesses and also work in a professional environment. You know, there's so much that you have to learn um, when you start working at a law firm, interacting with professionals, you know, sending emails, how to be professional in sending emails, how to schedule and calendar things and um, really there's so much that goes into just being a working professional that exists outside of just the practice of law. So being able to get a lot of that experience before even going into law school was really, really helpful. But once I got into law school and you start to learn the substance of the law, eventually what you realize when you do your first internship is that what you learn in law school and what you learn when you're working are two very different things. So law school does not prepare you to practice law most of the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of what you learn in law school is the theory behind what the laws are, the procedure and the rules um, that you you will apply later on in practice, but you're not really learning how to apply the law until you start working for a law firm or an in-house department or something else. So I think that it was really challenging for me, and I think it's challenging for every lawyer, honestly. When you come out of law school, the gap between law school to practice is so huge, and it's really, really tough to make that jump very smoothly. And if you haven't worked at all in a professional setting before you do your very, very first legal internship, it can be super intimidating because you're trying to learn how to be a professional and an adult all at the same time as you're trying to learn how to actually apply what you've learned in school to the actual practice of law or maybe even learning new aspects of the law that you didn't learn in school at all. With so many of our listeners thinking about law school and trying to narrow their interests, including myself, who really doesn't know what type of law to specialize in yet, can you tell us about your own law school experience and how it impacted your decision to specialize in IP? 
Yeah, my interest in IP actually began long before law school. So, well, kind of long, I guess. Um, I, in working in advertising, I became familiar with the concept of intellectual property because we actually had to screen most of our advertising campaigns through an intellectual property lawyer to make sure we weren't infringing on other people's intellectual property. So I became aware that these issues existed in advertising and in many other industries. You know, I mean, I think advertising has now overlapped with social media marketing. It's overlapped with a lot of other um, types of marketing that people don't didn't do a lot of back then, but do now. And so um, these intellectual property issues are underlying in all of those types of campaigns. And so when I started thinking about going to law school, I really had no idea what area I was interested in either, <laughs> but I had known that IP was a possibility. And so I started trying to connect with a lot of lawyers because honestly, I thought maybe I'd have an interest in criminal law or maybe I'd have an interest in any other area. Um, but I really wanted to know more about what each practice area was about. So I did what I did best, which is cold calling. Um, my very, very first job working for the UTD Mar Mercury was actually cold calling ad sales, calling people up and begging them to advertise in the newspaper. And that was really a great experience because I learned how to basically call people who I didn't know and ask them if they would give me some time for some meetings. And so I used those skills um, to get meetings with lawyers to learn more about different practice areas. And I cold called over 50 lawyers in Dallas-Fort Worth. And I actually only got to connect with three lawyers. Um, and those three told me about what their practice practice areas were like. So one of them was a tax, personal tax lawyer. The other one was a DUI traffic ticket lawyer. <laughs> and then another person that I connected with was an in-house counsel. That in-house counsel um, worked for a small financial services company. And he decided to take me under his wing. He listened to me tell him about calling all of these attorneys. And he said, you know, I feel really bad. You've only been able to connect with three attorneys. And, you know, he said, I'm the first lawyer in my family and I really want to help you. So why don't you come work for me as a legal assistant while you're applying to law school and I will help you connect with more lawyers. I know tons of them. And so I went to go work for this guy and he introduced me true to his word to dozens and dozens of lawyers. Um, and I would ask all of them for informational interviews, you know, 30 minutes or an hour of their time where I would call them and, and walk through their career paths and see what were the different career paths that they chose and did they like it? What was their life like? Were they actually happy practicing? <laughs> and then I figured out for myself eventually which areas I was interested in by doing all those informational interviews. And one of the informational interviews that I did was with an intellectual property lawyer at a huge firm in Dallas. And that lawyer uh, practiced patent law for a long time, but then ended up moving over into trademark and copyright law and liking trademark and copyright law better. So he pretty much stayed in trademark and copyright for most of his career after that. 
And he really helped me learn a little bit more about IP. And that's when I decided that's what I will choose. And so when I applied to law school, I actually asked him which law schools I should apply to. And he told me that, you know, as big of a firm as they had, I mean, they had hundreds of lawyers um, and their IP department was relatively big, but they said that they only do on-campus recruiting at eight schools, eight. (laughs) And so he asked me which law schools I had applied to, and I hadn't applied to any of those that he interviewed at. And so I took his list of eight law schools and I went and applied to all those law schools because I wanted to focus in IP. And it was a really, really great decision because a lot of those law schools were actually lower ranked overall um, in the general U.S. News World Report rankings, but they were higher ranked in IP. So they gave me better scholarships because I was higher than their medians for their LSAT score and GPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to the one that gave me the most money and that was a really strong IP school. And that was University of New Hampshire. And it turned out fantastic. <laughs> nice, nice. And um, for Le- on Lego Legal, they also have a video on their YouTube channel about how to uh, take informational interviews. So please make sure to check that out as well. I watched it as well, and it has helped me a lot in how to um, conduct uh, informational interviews as well. But that was very inspiring to hear, especially also about the networking, because we emphasize in our club, uh, networking is very important. Real quick, though, I I wanted to talk about how scary all of that is, you know, and how hard it is. And I want to encourage any of your listeners who are nervous about reaching out to attorneys, um, that it's, it's really not as bad as you think. And all you need is one attorney who cares about you, like my mentor did, um, who will open up doors for you. And I know it's super intimidating at first, you know, sending these cold LinkedIn requests and not having anyone respond to you is really scary at first. But you know what? You won't die if you do it. <laughs> I promise. You know, I did it. I got ignored a lot. But, you know, out of the over 50 cold calls that I made, I struck gold with this lawyer that was willing to teach me so much. So I just want to encourage you to just start reaching out to lawyers in the practice areas that you think you're interested in, because there is no substitute for talking to another human being about how they made these very human decisions. There is no amount of reading the law school Reddit or searching on Google um, to figure out you know, whether or not your passions are going to align with what the actual practice is without talking to lawyers. You have to talk to them to learn what the practice is like, whether they're happy about it, whether they enjoy it, whether it's the kind of work that you're going to want and whether it's the kind of money that you want to make. Um, all of those things you can only find out by talking to other lawyers. You can't really find all that information out on the internet. So um, don't be nervous. Just get out there. Go for it. You know, yes, you check out our resources for informational interviews. You know, There's also tons of resources online on how to conduct informational interviews. So. <laughs> Um, Very inspiring. I hope all of our listeners have the opportunity to gain such insights early on. Moving on from law school, could you talk about your experiences working for Kelly IP LLP and Haynes and Boone LLP as a trademark associate? Also, what does a typical day in this firm like? How did it look like for you as an IP lawyer? Sure. 
Kelly IP is a small trademark boutique um, in Washington, D.C., well, trademark and copyright. And they actually started the year that I graduated from law school. It was five partners who left a huge intellectual property boutique in D.C. called Finnegan, went and formed their own trademark and copyright boutique because they wanted to have more flexibility in the ways that they serve their clients. When you're in a really, really large firm, um, it can be more difficult to serve smaller clients because your fees are so high that those smaller clients can't really afford it. And so our partners really believed in providing affordable legal services for mid-sized and small companies. <laughs> they wanted to be able to do more flexible billing arrangements, and that's why they left to form this uh, law firm. And I just got really lucky because I just happened to be coming out of law school <laughs> at the, during that exact same time. So it was really interesting. I was interning for Under Armour while I was in my last year of law school, and I really thought I was going to end up working for Under Armour after my last semester was over. But that didn't really turn out to be the case. So I started trying to work for their outside counsel. So the in-house counsels in companies generally work with outside counsel in law firms to help them with their legal work whenever the work is too much for the in-house team to handle. So their outside counsel was Finnegan, the big firm that I was telling you about. And um, these five partners were actually the some of the leading partners of that firm at the time. And um, the head of our firm was the chairman of Finnegan's trademark practice group for many, many years. And so when they left, it was a pretty big deal. It made a pretty big splash. And I was just fortunate that I was one of the first associates that they hired. They formed their firm in May. 2013, the month that I was graduating. I graduated on a Saturday. I packed my entire life into a Honda Civic on Sunday, (laughs) and I drove from New Hampshire down to Baltimore, Maryland, where I was living um, all Sunday night. And I think I got into Maryland probably around three in the morning, and I had to start work Monday morning. And so I started that Monday along with everyone else in the office. It was their very first day. And so it was really exciting to just kind of see that firm come up from the ground. You know, it was really exciting in those first few weeks to be able to be part of something brand new and something that I think that the partners really put a lot of thought into doing things differently I think when you start a new firm, it gives you the opportunity to question everything that you did at your old firm and figure out what worked and what didn't. And they really did a good job about evaluating how they wanted to grow this firm. And so Kelly IP was very innovative. It was um, just very a great place to learn, you know, um, the partners that I worked with there were all leaders in the field. You know, they were wonderful teachers. Um, one of them was, a former judge at the patent trademark office. So she was a wonderful person to learn from when it came to, uh, procedure and trademark trial and appeal board cases and all the things that I was learning. Um, You know, our other partners were amazing negotiators, amazing litigators. I mean, collectively, there was so much knowledge to be learned there. And so I really, really enjoyed working for that small boutique, um, especially in its infancy, because I think it gave me the opportunity to grow alongside the firm. 
And it's a really great training experience. So my typical day there, I could work on so many different types of things. We had prosecution matters, which means that I would help our clients file for trademarks with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and file for copyrights with the Copyright Office um, and, you know, basically help them register and protect their intellectual property rights. And so that might mean helping them with enforcement of their intellectual property rights. We might send takedown notices to various social media platforms like um, YouTube or Etsy or um, you know, e-commerce websites like Amazon. We might also send cease and desist letters to people who are infringing on our clients' intellectual property. There's a whole slew of different things you might do to enforce your clients' trademark rights. Um, and then, you know, we also had a little bit of, I guess, privacy work, um, a little bit of just general things that come along with small businesses, like helping them with their terms of use and privacy policies and, and everything that you need to kind of run an online business. Um, but yeah, that's what a typical day might look like. It could be any one of those things. Um, at Haynes and Boone, my life was a little bit more transactional. Um, so they'll talk about this a lot when you go into law school, they'll ask you if you want to be a litigator or if you want to do transactional law. And what they don't seem to tell you is that you may have several roles where you do both. And intellectual property law is one of those areas where you could do both. Um, at Kelly IP, I definitely did, you know, both transactional matters and litigation matters. Uh, once I got to Haynes and Boone, their trademark department was much more transactional in nature. Uh, they didn't have a ton of litigation. And when they did, it mostly went to the litigation group. So we would um, collaborate with our other associates in litigation to work on federal court cases or TTAB cases. Um, so yeah, it was a little more on the transactional side. Wow. Very interesting. Like I, after this, I think I might consider IP law. Um, as the founder and CEO, have you been practicing as an attorney or taking more of a mentor and career coach role as well? <laughs> I wear all the hats. Um, so I, yes, I um, practice as an attorney on the side. I still do trademark and copyright work just to keep myself fresh. Um, but I also serve as a mentor. I'm matched with three people in our program right now, <laughs> which is the max that any attorneys can match with. Um, I also take on the role of a career coach, you know, for people who are um, trying to learn how to network with others. I help them figure out their networking strategies and plan and keep them accountable for um, reaching out to attorneys and connecting with them and helping them think of ways to follow up and keep those relationships active and alive. And so that's what I do on the career coaching side. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also do everything that involves running a business. You know, I do all of our marketing and advertising. I run all of our events. I do our podcast. I mean, pretty much everything. So um, I do have a team of amazing interns, including Maisha, um, who um, helps me out with one of our post series called The Real Lawyers of LinkedIn. Um, and working with her has been so amazing. Um, though we weren't quite done yet, thank you so much for your insightful comments so far. Because we are nearing the end, I would like to pivot our conversation a bit to ask some questions our listeners particularly have. What opportunities should people who are interested in IP law seek out? Internships, study abroad, certifications? 
I think at the undergraduate level, internships are really rare <laughs> um, for for you to get into law at the undergraduate level. Um, if you do do an internship, most of the internships that I've seen have been like interning for a senator or a legislator or something like that. But there's not usually a ton of IP related experience that you can get um, unless you go and work for an IP law firm and say a paralegal. Um, You could also, if you're interested in patents, you could become a patent agent. So if you have an undergraduate degree in a science, you can go and sit for the patent bar and become a patent agent that can help patent attorneys draft patents um, and prosecute those with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So Um, there's opportunities that you could work, um, as like a staff level person, but there's not a ton of things that you can do at a student level. Um, as far as getting to know more about the IP world though, there's tons that you can do. You can join IP associations. So, um, one of the things my mentor taught me was where to find lawyers. So he taught me what a bar association was. I had no idea that bar associations are literally collections of lawyers (laughs) and there are bar associations for almost every Thing that you can imagine. There's bar associations for um, Asian Americans. There's bar associations for different practice areas. So there's bar associations for intellectual property. There's the American Intellectual Property Law Association, AIPLA. You can join that to start learning more. Um, actually, I don't know if you can join as an undergrad, but you can definitely start interacting with their events, attending their events, interacting with the lawyers, reaching out to people in AIPLA and seeing, you know, if you can do informational interviews with them and hopefully those will lead to some opportunities for you. Um, informational interviews are always a great gateway, um, to opportunities. So, If you've been talking to an attorney for a while and keeping that relationship alive and well, there's always opportunities where you can just ask them like, hey, can I help you write an article or can I help you do a social media post about this new case that's coming out or something like that where you can just get a taste of what it's like to work for an attorney. Um, All of those experiences are absolutely invaluable. So when you're doing these informational interviews, don't just come out and ask for a job because most of the time the answer will be no. But after you've done a couple of informational interviews and maybe reach out to the attorney a couple times after that to follow up with them, um, then, you know, just say, I'm interested in trying to get more experience in this area. Do you have any advice for how I can do that? Would you be willing to take me on for a writing project or an internship or something where I could get a little bit more experience? And And, you know, they might be open to it. Um, Study abroad. um, Intellectual property law is territorial. So the laws in the U.S. governing IP are very different than the laws everywhere else. So there's not a ton of study abroad opportunities that you can do. But once you're in law school, um, I know the World Intellectual Property Law Association, WIPO. Um, But that organization is a arm of the United Nations. It's an agency of the United Nations. And it actually does have internships for law students. And one of my friends, while I was in law school, went and interned there. So she got to go to Geneva, Switzerland and intern there abroad. Um, So that was really cool. So there's, there's opportunities like that once you get into law school. And once you get into law school, you can also join all of those 
intellectual property law associations. So for trademark and copyright, I would look at International Trademark Association, INTA.org. Um, and you can join that as a law student. I think it's free for the law student membership. And they have a huge annual meeting every year where you can meet tons of trademark practitioners. And the fee for law students to register is way lower than what they charge attorneys. Like literally, I think for attorneys, it's about $1,400. But for students, it's like 50. <laughs> so um Definitely take advantage of those discounted rates when you're a student. And you can also join the American Bar Association's intellectual property law section. Um, there's a section of the ABA that is very, very active in IP. Um, so, yeah, there's tons of different organizations you can join. And with your wide and diverse experience in the legal field, do you have any recommendations for our listeners who want to follow your career path from UTD to a top IP law school or even for people who are motivated to start or join companies like Legup Legal? Undergraduate level in general, it's just hard to find those opportunities, but that doesn't mean they're not out there. For example, one of my mentees right now is um, in the process of evaluating whether or not she wants to go to law school. She's been working as a paralegal at an intellectual property law firm in downtown Dallas and um, getting tons of experience there. And they're actually going to help pay for some of her law school. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think there are opportunities out there. They're just hard to find. Um, You need to really put in the time to create opportunities for yourself by doing informational interviews by connecting with practitioners, by searching the job boards of these different organizations that I told you to join. Um, INTA in particular, INTA, has a job bank where you can search there for jobs. Um, There's, I think ABA has an internships bulletin. So they actually have a newsletter that you can sign up for with all the internship opportunities. Um, You know, you can always look at different law firm websites. There's also tons of pipeline programs that you can do. So there's internships and fellowships um, that I know of that are pretty prestigious. So if you're interested in public affairs, for example, there's the Coro Fellowship that is um, available to undergraduates and recent graduates. That's a fantastic fellowship that tons of people do. Um, There's also SEO um, is Seizing Every Opportunity. That organization has a lot of internships in big law. Um, So if you're interested in going to big law and and looking at tons of different practice areas there, I think most of their students end up in like corporate or real estate or or different um, areas, but I think they also get to rotate around. So so there's those types of opportunities. There's also um, CLEO, the Council for Legal Education Opportunity, has um, a pre-law or some sort of pre-law program for people who are about to enter law school to like help them prep for getting into law school. And I think they have some internship opportunities. Um, So there, there are some out there. I don't want to say that there aren't any. And actually we have a list. um, Like a legal has a list of tons of them. And so if you are interested and you want to connect with us, and come to our events, you know, and, and get the internships and fellowships um, spreadsheet, you know, feel free to come to our events and let me know that you heard this podcast and you want, you want the information from the spreadsheet. Um, so there are tons of opportunities that aren't IP specific, um, but some of them you could probably turn into an IP internship. 
Nice. And that's a wrap on our second episode of Under Oath. A huge thank you to Angie for being here with us today. Everything about her journey to where she is today is so inspiring. Be sure to follow Angie's own podcast, The Law Lives Project, and everything else that she's doing on LinkedIn as well. Um, As always, this is Under Oath, and I rest my case.